welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com, and welcome to episode 32 of our podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am joined today by Dan. Hey, Dan! Hey, Rachel. How are you going this weekend? Uh, I'm, I'm going all right, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like spring's here, suddenly. It's like, it's been a nice sunny day, and I've been out this weekend, and I remember what the sun looks like. I know, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised, um, but yes. So it's 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 been quite nice actually. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's kind of ironic because uh, we had an, uh, over here in the U.S. We had a couple of very nice, warm, like spring, almost summer-like days in terms of uh, weather, and then all of a sudden now I'm yeah. looking outside my window and it's it's cloudy and it's starting to rain a little bit, and so I might have done a, <laughs> a bit of a swap. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the sun came as soon as the sun went down, the temperature dropped immediately. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, OK, I remember now. We're, we're, still, we're still in the transition between winter and the spring. So but hey, at least uh, it was cool. nice enough weather for me to, to get out and enjoy it for a little while on both, on both sides of the channel. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what we, what we got going on today? Uh, well, today I was thinking, since we it's been a long time since we had any discussion about uh, video games on the podcast, we thought maybe bringing up uh, something a bit more of a video game-esque top, uh, main topic for today. And since it is the 20th anniversary of the Pokemon franchise, I was thinking maybe we could uh, talk about some Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, us two being... You're like twenty something <laughs> kids of the nineties. We kind of both have quite a soft spot for Pokemon, right? Yeah, ironically enough, I was in uh, I was in living in London during when the whole Pokemon craze hit. So it's uh, it is very mm. nostalgic for me. I remember just being on my being on the playground, you know, actually having to <laughs> both the Game Boys and the cards. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Were they were they banned from your school? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I can, yeah, I can go same. into a bit more discussion <laughs> on that later when we get to the. Yeah, main topic. I remember. I remember getting in trouble a few times just for having Pokemon cards on me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they hired like this yo-yo guy to come in to try and like get us interested in yo-yos because what? Pokemon cards. Yeah, it was. It it got that bad. <laughs> <laughs> That is something. I never that never happened in my school, but I'll Yeah, they, they, they brought in this guy to get us interested in yo yo, so we would not be interested in Pokemon anymore. Which was a really, really tough thing to do in like it must have been ninety nine, I think. Yeah. You know, when Pokemon was just anyway. <laughs> so, so 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 we'll get into that. And yeah, we will um, definitely get into that. And then of course like we've got like some news and uh some, some, some more watching. watching. Yeah. So yeah, I saw I saw Anomalisa finally. Oh, woohoo! I've been waiting for ages <laughs> to watch it, and um, yeah, I'll 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 give some 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 thoughts. All right, awesome. And then maybe once uh once we, uh, you and uh, Chris sit down, we can have a, a longer discussion about that maybe in a later episode. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to hear what what Chris thought of it. He, I mean, like last week, he said that he was still kind of not sure what he thought of it. <laughs> um, and I know what he means. It's um, it's not an, it's not a straightforward film. So, all so right, we'll, we'll, 
we'll get into that. Yep. All right. But first off, let's just give us a couple quick news topics. Uh, G Kids finally released uh, their English trailer and the list of theaters that they will be releasing April in the Extraordinary World. And I believe their first showing is going to be on March 25th in New York, and then it's going to be released in more theaters after, um, you know, further into April, ironically enough. Okay. Uh, you know, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, Berkeley. I see what they did there. Yeah, I know. Ironic. They, <laughs> they, again, thank you, G-Kids, <laughs> for not they only bringing us wonderful this. animation from all around the world, but also being beautifully ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have to say, after watching this uh, trailer, I am... I mean, I was already on board from just the looking of the art style in general from the uh, posters that I saw, but this trailer looks really, really fun. For April in the Extraordinary World. Looked so much steampunk. Yeah, I was really, um, I was really impressed with it. It looked, um, it looks amazing. There's some really, really nice animation. Uh, it's, it, it's based on a, um, on a comic, right? Yeah, a graphic novel. So it's got like quite a distinctive like style going on. Yeah, I'm the, the, the uh, name of the uh, novelist is uh, Jacques Tardy. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, yeah, it's 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 going to be a big film. I'm looking forward to it very much. It's, I'm, hoping, mm, I'm not sure if no. it's going to be in the showing in a nearby theater. I know it's uh, uh, no, Philadelphia is the closest uh, that's going to be in my area, and that's April 15th. That's going to be the day that that opens up. And how how far is that for you? Uh, I'd say about an hour drive. Okay, okay. Have you done... Have you have you traveled that far before for movies? Uh, not in a long time. And with my and with right. its busy work schedule, it's been even even more difficult. But I think I might be willing to try and make an exception for this movie, if I can convince anyone else to go with me. Okay. Like, hey guys, I, I I just looked on the um the BBFC website, um, which is the British Board of Film Classification, and mm-hmm. um, they've rated the movie, Have which they? means that it's going to be coming out in the UK, um, and it's. Got a release date of the 21st of April. Oh, so another April release? As well. Beautiful. Yeah, I didn't... That was a surprise. I didn't know. I don't know who's releasing it. Um, That information isn't... It's it's Studio Canal, who release... um, They release Shaun the Sheep and all the Ghibli movies and Song of the Sea. Okay. So, like, the closest thing we have to two kids, basically. Cool. Good, then it's, it's, it's good that this is getting a release there as well. So yeah, as, yeah. As many people are going to see it as they can. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, too much, like... The, the trailer did a good job of getting me interested. I don't really want to know too much about the story, because it looks... It just looks fun. All I know is that from the the basic description of what we saw from the trailer is that basically these, uh, in this world, scientists, like, people, uh, educated, you know, scientists are, are being, uh, kidnapped or abducted for some reason or another and uh that includes mm-hmm. both of them are our are, are protagonist's parents and it looks like she's on a journey to find them and figure out why they were taken right and it's kind of got like a turn of the century sort of steampunk kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. 
right? Maybe, maybe not turn of the century, maybe before. I mean, I, I said this to you before, but it, it, I got like um, Steam Boy vibes watching it. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, that kind of world. Yeah, definitely. That, that was one of the most iconic images, at least that's from the very beginning of the trailer. They show not one, but two Eiffel Towers kind of holding up a tram as it zips through the, uh, zips underneath it. That's really a very interesting imagery. Yeah, it is. I mean, I bet French people love that because they freaking can't get enough of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> hey, I've, I've been on it twice. It is, it is a impressive structure. No, it's, it's, it's no, it's low. Lovely, it really is. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it looks good, and it's, it's going to be subbed. So they haven't done a dub. Is that right? No, yeah, as far as the, the, the least as far as the trailer showed us, it's mostly, it's just going to be in its uh, in French with English subtitles. And you know what? I actually think I prefer that. Yeah, I, I, well, we didn't really get into it last week, but... I kind of felt that it it gives like an extra layer of emotion. I think when yes. you're watching something in the original, like, and I I I like watching subs and dubs, but like with only yesterday, for example, um, I actually I did actually catch up this week and I watched a little bit of with the dub. Oh, did you now? Yeah, I did, and it didn't actually for me. It didn't work. Really, so well, much. Yeah, that would make sense because you said that you you saw the original Japanese first. Yeah, yeah, but um, so so, but, but with April, it's I mean, G Kids do release um subbed movies. Um, Boy in the Wild was subbed, right? I believe so. I haven't actually seen so, it, unfortunately. I I think I think it kind of it kind of makes sense because it's not. It doesn't look like a kids kids movie. It looks like it's probably it would interest like you know ten and up. Mm-hmm. And I get the impression that they can handle subs kids of that age. I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't know when I started watching subtitled movies and being fine with it. Well, even, uh, even if it's it's not really like entirely, you know. Full of subs. I know, like back when I was around that age, I would watch movies with, oh, yeah, where they would talk, where yeah. people would t- start talking in another language, and they would have subtitles. And at that point, it's like I could read fine enough that I could follow what was going on. And even That's then, true. And you, can, you can still read the emotion of the characters and what they're. You know, even if you're not entirely sure what they're saying, you are very aware of the emotion that they're conveying. Mm-hmm. And it's not like it's going to be a movie where people are sitting in rooms talking to each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also there's going to be plenty of not talking. I think. Yeah, lots. It looks like this film's going to have plenty of action. That's going to really yeah. be really fun to watch. What they you know experiment with the animation in terms of the action sequences and the setting. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, they've got the, they've got the um the hashtag April in April. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Trend that so, uh, in April in April. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll post the hashtag when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All so right. If you're in the, other, in the American release, it says March 25th through April 29th in the U.S. And I believe you said, what was the uh, U.K. date? Um, it's, well, 
On the BBFC website, it's down for the 21st of April. Okay. Um, but there's nothing on Studio Canal's website, I don't think. Mm. Uh, so we'll wait and see how that happens because things get switched and changed until the last minute. Actually, one really quick news piece of news that happened, which was, um, do you remember there was a movie called The Little Prince? Yes, I I was aware that that was coming out, and I think I may have I've seen the bit of news that you meant you're about to mention. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, it was going to be distributed by Paramount in the US, mm-hmm. and like I think like a week before it was due to be released, they've decided not to go ahead with the release, um, and it's gonna it's gonna be releasing in Canada. So if you're by the border, hop over and check it out. But um, it's, yeah, it's been dropped by them, uh, which is surprising. Um, But the director has tweeted that another distributor has picked it up for release later in the year. So it's coming. Um, But I wondered, I mean, because Paramount also released a Mm non-Lisa. And and that actually did really badly in the US. Um, And I wonder if it's not like a knock on from that really not making enough money. It's possible. That led to, I mean, cause they, they both have, um, they have different audiences, but they're both stop motion movies. Um, the little prince is half stop motion, half CG. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and you know, also distribute, um, distribution costs money. So maybe they didn't make enough money off the normal Lisa to then immediately go ahead with another release. Uh, I don't know. But it's... It's anyone's uh, guess that, at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, something you're going to be waiting on a little bit longer. Unfortunately. So... Uh, but well, who knows when uh, when the next distributor picks it up that the, maybe they'll... Once the movie's released and hopefully does well, it'll... They'll, What's... Paramount will probably be smacking their face, you know... Face, face palming's like, yeah. why did we do that? Yeah, well, I mean, like, what's the, um... <laughs> but yeah, what do you think the likelihood that it's going to be cheek hits? Um, it's really good. I think that, uh, yeah. the success that G-Kids has been having with their, uh, with it's their films, it's, mm-hmm. they have, they have more than enough chops to pull it off, I think, so I think mm-hmm. that it would be really, really awesome if they were the ones to pick it up. And then it would, it would get an equally you know, wide release, and then more people could see it, and more people could enjoy it. And that's always good. Yeah. Got this train going. Keep going until the very end. But anyways, moving on to an, uh, another interesting trailer that came out recently is the uh, new Kubo in the two... Uh, was it Kubo and the Two Strings trailer? Mm-hmm. And this one is a bit different. Like, the last couple trailers we got for Kubo were all, all very atmospheric and just showing us kind of more of the detail of the style of this uh, film, a bit more of a darker tone. But in this trailer, we get actually a better look at the story and why Kubo is going on this journey of his, where he's meeting this all the, these full cast of characters and exactly what a uh, general idea of what the plot's going to be, which I have to say is interesting. It's definitely this trailer's got a much lighthearted, more lighthearted tone than the previous ones, but still got that very kind of like 
creepy, like, darker aesthetic to it in some of the scenes. Right, right. Yeah, I, 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 um, something about that's quite nostalgic. I got, like, flashes of Coraline and James the Giant Peach and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's, um... Exactly, yeah. It's kind of like a Tim Burton kind of style. Like, when the, back when those, when those films came out, very, just kind of a full package of, like, creepy, scary, but also fun and, uh colorful and just a whole bunch of different like elements that make a really good uh family film mm. yeah yeah it looks um i gotta be in i gotta be honest i'm i'm in now and i don't want to see anything more yeah i don't want there to be like a third trailer which tells me the first two acts <laughs> of, of the story i'm uh yeah i'm i'm absolutely all for it 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 looks amazing. They've got like a real, um, like Leica have always been good with. Um, they they they've always had CG and two D animation departments. Mm-hmm. And this movie looks like the, the thing where they've relied most on every type of animation yeah. to create the world because it's huge. Just it looks like. In terms of like um, a scope, it's the hugest movie that they've made so far. It's it's gonna. It looks it looks like an different places, and I'm really looking forward to seeing everything that this world has to offer. I said that the talking monkey so far is my favorite character. As far as like just from the what little they've shown, she seems like a real badass. Yeah. (laughs) For a monkey. For a monkey. But um, and also uh, Kubo's power in general—the fact that he his uh, playing his instrument can bring things to life—that's mm. a really neat power, and it's going to lead to a lot of really cool visuals. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 interested now, and uh, <laughs> I can't believe I have to wait until August. It's so I know. Trailers, trailers don't make any sense. It's well. It's 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 bookmarked in my calendar, and <laughs> that's it. Yep. After this, I don't want to see any. Like you said, I don't want to see any more. I'm I'm just ready for the movie now. I'm just going to sit and wait impatiently, but I'll wait <laughs> for this movie to come out in August. But yep, check it out. The new trailer, and just and like I said, mark down your calendars and wait ready for when the movie hits theaters because it's going to be good. And one last two bits of a couple few more on the television side of news. Got a couple interesting announcements. Uh, one of which is Disney is going to be rebooting the Ducktales cartoon. And oh uh, yeah, yep, huh. it's going to be getting a new release. And they've already released some uh, promotional art of all the characters. You see Scrooge McDuck driving an uh, a jeep of some kind with. Uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie in the passenger seat, and Donald Duck screaming from the roof. <laughs> and it looks, as far as I can oh, tell, Donald, hmm? Donald Duck wasn't in DuckTales, was he? Not really. It was more of... I don't remember. Of, uh, yeah, Huey, Dewey, and Louie were staying with Scrooge McDuck, and it was just more yeah. along the, with them and, uh, oh gosh, with the, the one other character that crossed over between um, 
DuckTales and uh, what was it? The other show, the uh, Darkwing Duck show. Oh. It was he was the pilot character. That was Tailspin, wasn't it? No, I don't think so. No, no, Tailspin, Tailspin I, I was the Disney cartoon with the uh, with the Jungle Book characters. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, with those designs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I I was not so like I think this was kind of semi announced before. And I wasn't into it, but like they released this image um, that you were talking about, whether in the Jeep and I like if it looks like that, that could be really cool. Yeah, it's I have to say the 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 art design that with the characters is looks really really nice. And if they if they're, if they're planning to making a whole series look just like this, then yeah, I'm on I'm all for it. Yeah, I I. I think I saw in the week, like, someone mentioned who the artist was who did this development piece. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it's it's like a piece of concept art. It's not, not exactly how the show is going to look, but it's kind of indicative. Um, yeah, and it kind, of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the thing they were doing with the you know those recent like Mickey Mouse shorts they've yes. had. Yes, yes, I've been. I've actually seen more than a few of them on TV, and they're they, even regardless of the in terms of the comedy, I do really like the aesthetic design. <laughs> yeah, they get, some of them get really gross. There's like one with um, there's a Halloween one. Have you seen that? I don't believe I have. I think that was one of the. Few there's a Halloween seen. one where I think it it just gets very gross. It's more like Ren's than Disney. Uh, that's what I yeah, no, this... weird about that. The shorts, I think. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, it, it's... I can understand why it might annoy Disney purists, but I I, I really like them. I think they're funny. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks, this looks fine. Uh, I don't remember DuckTales too much. I remember watching the movie a lot. <laughs> did you did you watch that? Yeah, I did watch the movie, and I did watch a good portion, not the whole thing, but a good portion of the actual cartoon show. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was um, definitely a fun adventure show. It was one of Disney, uh, the Disney Afternoon's uh, best shows, I think, next to, um, what was the other ones? Uh, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Gargoyles. Well, Gargoyles was on a whole other uh, tier, I think. But that was, in terms of just really fun you know, Saturday morning entertainment, DuckTales was definitely a lot of fun to, to watch. Yeah, and yeah. it still holds up. Like, I, I remember we watching, like, the very first episode, like, of the entire series, like, you know, years later. Mm-hmm. And on, on, on a whole, it's still, it's still fun to watch. Right. So the cool. fact that it's so a it's... reboot is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's coming... Uh, in 2017. Yeah, on Disney XD. Cool.
another bit of TV-related news, something that's been uh, one of our more recent news articles, is that in regards to the Nickelodeon and their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, uh, they're actually going to be having a very interesting crossover episode between the characters, the, uh, the version of the characters for the new show, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the 1980s. The turtles that I grew up with, featuring, if I'm, you know, my ears don't deceive me, pretty much the entire cast. Cam Clark, Barry Gordon, and um, Rob Paulson's going to be reprising Raphael, and just, oh my goodness. Oh, so this is the the original cast of the old cartoon? Pretty much, as far as I can tell, it's everyone's there, and it's, words cannot express how excited I am. <laughs> because I know for a while it seemed like a lot of these guys were, you know, officially retired from voice acting, but they're coming mm-hmm. back for this, and it's ah, can't wait. <laughs> so, is is there a reason why this is happening? Do you think? Um, I'm I mean, not... apart from the fact that it's kind of interesting and cool. Um, they've hinted at it before. I remember watching a previous uh, one of the episodes of the new show in one of the previous mm. seasons. They kind of hinted at it. They actually had a little sequence with the 1980s turtles in like an alternate dimension. So they did hint at this before. So maybe mm. this is actually. It was kind of like at first I just thought it was like a gag, kind of you know, like a silly gag because we they know how much the you know that version of the show what popular it was. But uh-huh. now it looks like they're probably it's like, oh no, we could actually do a whole episode based around this now. So uh, maybe, maybe they have like a good response mm-hmm. from and, that, and then they realized, oh, we probably had a good enough response from this that we could realistically, you know, put our resources into making a, a special. A special is it, is, is, is it a special or a series? Um. Let me. I think it is a. I think I believe it's a special. Okay. And, they, and this, like, it's. I've been trying to say it's a. Uh, it's not the first time they've done a special like this either, because um one of the previous uh, shows in the two thousand three, uh, TMNT <laughs> show that they had on um uh Fox uh Four Kids, network. Mm-hmm. They actually also had a very popular, uh, extended uh, special slash movie called Turtles Forever. Where they crossed over that in the 1980s Turtles, and that was hilarious. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So basically, they yeah, over, was... except this time they actually have the actual full cast from the from the original show. Because in the four kids ones, they mm-hmm. couldn't. They don't believe they could afford to have the original actors be on that version. So now this this feels a little bit more legit, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is the this is the uh, it's on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it, look, it looks it looks quite fun. It's uh, probably going to be some nice medicine for those who weren't uh, fond of the Michael Bayified steroid, <laughs> uh, you know, that reboot. Yeah, don't remind me. I actually just came back from the theaters earlier this week, and that was one of the trailers that they were playing over and over again. And I'm just oh, for I'm, the sequel. Yeah, I'm. There are parts of it that, you know, being a longtime Turtles fan, I'm a bit, you know, like, I kind of have to go, ooh, at, but I'm just like, remember, it's like, remember, it's Michael Bay, it's Michael Bay, don't trust him. 
<laughs> did you did you like the um the movie they did in 2008 the uh, TMNT? Oh, the uh the CG one. Yeah. You're referring to. Yes, I actually believe it or not, I actually really enjoyed that one. The, it was a really I really like that too. Interesting art style that they had for that movie and the mm. the CG animation mm. was really well done. The plot could have been better, but the character action yeah. character interactions were spot on and I just everything else about the movie animation was wonderful yeah i like that it was like a like a good like pg like movie for kids who weren't so old and weren't so young uh you don't get many movies like that no it was because they don't do well (laughs) but every every few years you have like a titan ae or you know someone tries it with um Disney tried it with Atlantis, kind of. Yeah. You know, like, slightly older kids and uh, sort of being, being the target audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a little bit more action-oriented. and you know, That was a good movie. I wonder how it holds up. And I will say this one last one last mention with the with the special is definitely going to be the between the the shifting art styles because we're going to see both the older, like, you know, 2D-style animation with uh, the classic Turtles and the new Turtles all running around in, that, in the 2D world, and then they're going to switch to the, C, you know, the more CG style of the newer show. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. we're going to see both both different styles and how they look in both three, dimension and, three dimensions and two dimensions. It's Yeah, it's kind of... It's not exactly the same style that it used to be made in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they've obviously had to use computers and it's they it's like they're using Flash or Toon Boom and it's not like frame by frame animation in the same way that it was in the nineties. Yeah. And in the eighties. Uh uh but the CG looks really great. Oh yeah, especially on the uh the the CG for the old uh the nineteen eighties trolls. I was, first I wasn't sure yeah, they've how got, that was gonna like, translate, but then it, I looked at them and was like, hey, they actually look really good. They've they've I mean for me it's just the eyes. They've got the eyes right. Oh perfect. They're kind of they're kind of friendly like Muppets. <laughs> like like in the live action movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Those don't hold up by the way. <laughs> if you if you watch those again. No well I'd argue the first one a little more so than the subsequent sequels, but I don't know. I don't know. Was one of them changed? Was one of them subtitled like "The Secret of the Ooze" or something like that? That was the second one. Yeah, I remember being a movie with that subtitle, and even as a kid, going, "That doesn't come on. That doesn't mean anything. That that doesn't that doesn't (laughs) sound right." Um. Oh, and um, so something else that happened was in in the very teasy rollout of information, um, Netflix and DreamWorks announced something about the new Voltron series they're making. Yeah, uh, Voltron Legendary Defender. Um, so they haven't released anything yet apart from one image. But they um, on Friday they announced that they announced who the showrunner is going to be. And those familiar with um, Legend of Korra and Avatar The Last Airbender will be interested that the showrunners will be Lauren Montgomery and Joaquim Dos Santos. Um, 
So Montgomery um, was actually a producer on uh, Cora and a story artist on Avatar and as well as directing um, Green Lantern, First Flight, the uh, DC animated movie. And uh, Dos Santos was a producer on Cora and a director on Avatar and also um, involved with... Um, uh, DC animated movies like Justice League Unlimited. So I don't really, I'm I, so I wasn't um, a fan of any of those things. Not that I have seen them and hated them. I just have never seen much of Avatar or Korra or the DC animated movies. Um, but I understand that this is like interesting news to you. <laughs> it is. It's like, I'm, the reason I haven't really said much of anything is because you're, there's a lot of quiet excitement going on over here because <laughs> I adore Avatar The Last Airbender. Korra was a mm. really f- interesting and well put together sequel series. And mm. I would say and that anything the DC animated uh, you know movies that have been put out over the past couple years are, are yeah. leagues beyond what DC has been able to do with their live action films, at least in the past couple of years. So yeah, it's very well I've for Voltron. That. Which is nuts because I don't remember, like we were saying before, I just remember Voltron as being kind of fun. And then I tried rewatching it a couple of years ago. And yeah. We had this discussion on a previous podcast. It doesn't hold. Yeah. It does, it does not really. No, but, um, it looks like they're putting a decent amount of um, resources and love into it, which is interesting. And also, it it um it I would say it kind of answers whether it's going to be two D or CG because all of these projects were two D, like hand drawn yeah, uh, animation. Yeah, traditional hand drawn animation. So, so I guess that's what this is going to be. Maybe I mean they haven't said anything. But. No, yeah, there's been no official announcement as to what kind of style the show will take. But yeah, the 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 idea that we're having mostly people who've worked on 2D projects before coming to this one, mm-hmm. it's may it might be safe to assume, but it's it's still be maybe it could be just really 2D to uh, do that 2D style three dimensional animation. Who knows? That's also re- that's also really cool. Mm-hmm. But I just. Um, I'm. I can't believe I'm more excited than I already was, but I am because this is a great. <laughs> this is a great cast of people to bring onto the project. Yeah, they're but they're really teasing it. Um, there's going to be like a panel at WonderCon uh, on the 25th of March, uh, where they're going to be talking a little bit more about it. So maybe around then we'll see like some. Uh, Oh, no, they, they are. They're going to be, like, releasing some artwork around that. Oh, fabulous. So we'll actually get to take a look <clears> at sorry. the character designs. <clears throat> yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll know some more by then. And I guess, I mean, is, is, there, a release, is there a release date for it yet? I don't believe so. Not um, yet. I think it's still too early. Okay. Okay, well, that's uh, something we're keeping our eye on. And I'm kind of more interested than I was <laughs> as well. You and me both. Which is, which is, which is a surprise. Voltron <laughs> might actually be even more badass than we remember. 
Yeah, it might be good fun because I, I, I um, did you watch um, Gandhi Tartakovsky's series, um, Symbionic Titan? Yes, and I'm still waiting for it to come back, but I'm going to think it's not going to pers- come back. It's not. He's no, it's it's happened. No, but because there were, there, were, there were no toys, so no one knew it was on, and it was just like eh, whatever. <laughs> but it was amazing. No, I know it was great fun. I remember um, like watching it on Saturday mornings. Um, and it was like a Saturday morning. I mean, I was like 20. <laughs> I, I would wake up and watch that, uh, on Saturday mornings with my friend and it was great fun. But I think like, I kind of would like a nice fun, fun robot cartoon to watch on Saturday mornings Yeah. again, you know? Yeah. After that, it's, it's been too long since Symbiotic Titan. So I hopefully maybe Voltron will take up that torch a little bit. And, maybe, maybe. <laughs> and maybe, maybe in my, you know, heart of hearts, once Samurai Jack, the, the new Samurai Jack show does well, which it inevitably will, um, maybe, maybe, there might be hope to see maybe the symbiotic Titan come back. But that is, like I said, heart of hearts, hope of hopes, you know, me shooting, trying to shoot for the stars here. Well, they, they might have other ideas as well, which um, I'm always up for. <laughs> yeah, new ideas are great. But that really, I think, does it for news this week. So, mm-hmm. want to move on to what you watched? Like you said, you watched Anomalisa. That's pretty much all I've been watching. Uh, um, yeah, no, I haven't been watching it all week. <laughs> um, uh, let me think if I saw any animation. Um, anything uh, apart from Anomalisa? So. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, if that's right. Um, I'll try and be as spoiler-free as possible. Um, so Anomalisa uh, came out in uh, the US at the start of the year. Um, I think it was in New York and LA uh, in December, actually. Uh, and uh, Yvonne saw it then, right? Um, yeah, I think Yvonne saw it. Yeah, yeah, she did. Everyone saw it, and Chris saw it last week, and he sort of said that he was not sure. <laughs> he saw it on the he he saw it on Sunday morning, and we recorded the podcast on Sunday night, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I like it yet," and I think that's a sign of an interesting movie. Um, I get that with um, you know Paul Thomas Anderson's films, like The Master. So. And uh, uh, in Inherent Vice, like I, I came out of those. And I was like, you know what? I, I, they were obviously impressive, but I have no idea if I liked them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, those films have now grown on me, and I, I love them to bits because I've seen them a few times. And I think, um, so normally was uh, directed by Charlie Kaufman and Jude Johnson, and Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter. Um, people, um, so like he's, he's, uh, he's written being John Malkovich adaptation, um, uh, Tunnel Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Synecdoche, New York. Um, and I think his films have a similar thing going on with them where you'll watch them and you'll uh, like be 
you know, they're, they're, they're kind of intense things to watch. And then they finish and they don't really give you easy answers. And they kind of just, for me, like they kind of like stay in the back of my brain and just keep like biting away because they don't like wrap everything up in a package for you as you leave. And uh, they really make you think about them, I think. Um, and that was kind of my experience with Anomalisa, which is uh, it's, it's, it's one of these movies that, uh, and I, th- I, I would say maybe only yesterday kind of falls into this kind of category for me, of animated movies which don't necessarily have anything about them in terms of concept, which demand for them to be animated. Um, uh, and for me, like, I think that's a really, uh, those those movies really interest me because I think that's where you start to approach what's unique about animation and what it offers um, in a really uh, fundamental way, which live action does not. I mean, I think when it comes to things like talking animals and um, flying sequences and fantasy, it's kind of obvious why animation is the choice. But when it comes to movies which, um, like Anomalisa, which are like dramas, basically, where people just sit in rooms and there are a couple of fantasy sequences, but it could could be done with live action. Um, I think it there's something really intriguing there for me. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm trying to kind of like skirt around <laughs> the story because I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it because I went in kind of cold, mm-hmm. not knowing um, much about the movie at all. Uh, but basically it's about a guy who is working in customer services and he, um, the movie starts and he flies into Cincinnati and he's there for a conference and he books into a hotel and he's kind of bored with the world and everyone um, kind of, the world seemed kind of monotonous to him. Mm -hmm. And he, and, and, and the way in which the world is shown to be monotonous is that everyone speaks with the same voice. They have one voice actor for everyone that you meet in the movie. Wow. So there's the main character, who is voiced by David Fielis, who you'll know as um, Professor Lupin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's a great actor. Um, but everyone else, everyone else in the movie, yeah, and he kind of... His uh, attitude is like his his voice is perfect for the character because he's a kind of he sighs a lot and he's kind of tired with with everyone and it's 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 a really funny movie I think um, so so he uh, he encounters everyone else in this world and they all speak with the same voice um, that of Tom Noonan huh. and like kids women um and and men and everyone all has all have the same voice and one day uh, and and there's one moment in the in the hotel mm-hmm. 
where all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the main character hears another voice. And it's the voice of a woman. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he gets up and he's like, what's, what? he doesn't know what the hell he's thinking. And he gets up and he goes in search of that voice. And I'm, I don't want to spoil anything more because it's a real treat to um, have it like unravel in front of you because it's a it's a good it's a good story I think. Um, the animation is absolutely unbelievable. Um, it's so it's stop motion, uh, but it's it's really really well observed animation. You know, um, movie. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that I saw this the week uh, after we reviewed only yesterday, mm-hmm. because I thought a lot about that in, and I kind of couldn't help compare them because both of them have really, really nice uh, natural moments uh, that just happen to be animated. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Like there's, there's like moments where he, you know, he's just getting, out of the shower and putting on a towel and you see his kind of imperfect um, like body and he puts on a towel. It's just moments like that for some reason stick out in animation in a way that they don't quite with live action movies. So it kind of it forces you to really watch the movie I think. Well yeah, it's like um, we discussed before, like you know with, as far as animation goes, there is no movement that goes into this without without a reason. So when you have something like you said, more of a mundane scenario, like a more grounded scenario or story, which oh, yeah. is easily oh, my- <laughs> made in live action as opposed to animation, like yeah. when it, when it is animated yeah. and it does make you force you to look, because it's like okay, well, what is it about this action or what is it about this you know, the way the characters are acting? warrants the animation versus the live action mm. a mundane is really the key word i think because i mean it's a, it's it's a really beautiful movie they it, there's like a he stays in like a posh hotel um and the hotel is lit like a hotel and the model making is just like utterly precise it it really feels like a hotel you know it's kind of got everything's slightly too clean and there's like some artwork on the wall that doesn't mean anything and it's they've used like the exact um like precise lighting and like when he goes to look out the window uh the window has like a kind of texture to it which um, I don't I don't know. It just looks like a window. <laughs> it sounds it sounds so crazy, but this is kind of the experience I had watching the movie. It was like, oh look, it's a window, but it's animated, and something about that really turned me on. I don't know. <laughs> um, Makes the mundane seem extraordinary. I think that's, that's it. The keys. No, that's spot on. That that's exactly that's exactly I think why the film works as well as it does. Um, but uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of 
it's it's tricky because either we have a spoiler discussion, which I think we might have at some point, mm-hmm. um, or I do what I'm doing now and I kind of tell you how it felt for me watching the movie because um, the plot points in the in, in the movie kind of add up to a very ambiguous encounter between two people, and essentially you're left at the end of the film wondering whether. Uh, it was an entirely good thing. Uh, So there's a, basically there's a sex scene in the middle and uh, the main character is married. The, um, the David Thewlis character, Uh he's married and he has a one night stand Uh with, with this lady. But he kind of sees the world as very monotonous and he sees this other person and she's like a, She's like a, a breath of fresh air for him. But it kind of, it doesn't give you any, it, it doesn't um, let him off easy either. Mm. But it's, uh, so it's it's a it's a tricky film to talk about because the aftermath is really what the movie's about. Ah. Um, but, you know, just as, as it, I, I went to the cinema on a Friday night and it was packed. It was a sold-out screening, wow. and it was an animated movie that I watched with a room full of adults, and they took it like any other movie. And for me, that was really special because, um, because because it, because it was, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't, uh, it didn't. Sorry, it was rated fifteen, like a, an R, as oh. uh, the equivalent. In the in, in in America, and but it didn't earn that just by um, gratuitous violence or anything like that. Uh, it was it was a good grown up movie that just happened to be animated, <laughs> uh, and I uh, I was really really impressed. I think so. Chris Chris um, reviewed it. On, on the website yes. and you should definitely check out his review because he, he and he said in his review that he's not sure if it's a movie which he loves but he certainly admires that sounds like a good way um, to categorize it yeah and I think I understand what he means um, because the main character comes off in the end being an arsehole <laughs> Uh, and you spend the whole movie with him. So if you don't like him, you're not going to like the movie. Uh, but f- just for the achievement that it was, I was really impressed. That is really cool. Uh, I hope I get to see yeah, it I've 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 kind of gone on a bit because I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of processing it yeah. and figuring figuring out what it means. But man, I hope this is not like a anomaly in itself and I hope there are more movies made by um, Starburns maybe Uh, uh, you know that are just animated movies that happen to be animated and you know people can take them as they are Um, I mean the movie does have something about it which plays on the form 
So it kind of draws attention to the fact that it's animated a couple of times. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I was, I was, I don't know. I was really impressed. <laughs> and, and going all the way back to when we first heard about it, I said a few comments about how I f- felt that it's a shame in a way that it takes a quote unquote proper filmmaker like Charlie Kaufman who makes live action movies to, um, you know, kind of legitimize an animated movie to be made in the first place. Cause I doubt this would have been made had Charlie Kaufman not been involved. Uh. But, you know, I'm, I've been thinking about that and I'm thinking now if that's what it takes for movies like this to get made, then fine. <laughs> And sure, I'd like yeah. some more. <laughs> yeah, and I'd like some more, please. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's like my thoughts on Anomalisa. I'm not going to call it a review because there are lots of plot elements and thematic things going on, which, um, which are which are fun to discover actually for yourself as the movie kind of um, opens out. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, that's my. Th- Thoughts on Anomalisa. Very, very cool. I would love to hear more spoilerific talk, maybe in a later podcast, maybe once you and Chris can sit down and talk about it a bit more in depth. Yeah, maybe around um, a home release would be a good time to do that. Sounds good. Uh, and I mean, because you just don't want to piss people off because it's nice to discover things and for things to be a surprise. Yeah, and then sit and ponder them after the movie's over. Yeah, as you as you as you clearly done. Oh yeah, no, I've been thinking about it all weekend, and I saw it on Friday night, and it's I I, I really like movies like that. Things that kind of they're like sums that give you the equals, and then you have to work it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are the most as far as movies go. Those are some of the most powerful movies I think. Any whenever I see walk away from a movie that does that yeah i mean it's it's a smaller movie it's like a um it's 90 minutes and it's a real tight little you know limited cast and you know um it only has a few uh places in the movie um but i yeah i I like short little movies that get to the point and get out and it was, it, was, it was fun. Cool. Very, very cool. And that was that was the only thing you made. Yeah, that was the only thing you had really had time for this week. <laughs> this weekend. Um. Yeah. Um. You say that like there's something that I told you that I did that I'm not remembering. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, I'm, just, I'm just curious. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think there is actually. Uh, no. Okay. But no, it was a great, great sound. I mean, I love the idea of the fact that you know, there's everyone else in this world in this movie having the same voice. So now it's like I've. I don't have no oh, reason, a way for me yeah. to want to see this movie even more than I already did. But that is. alone makes it really. It's it's a really. Fu- I found it a really funny movie. <laughs> but it's kind of a little bit. Um, 
it's not so easy. It's not easy to, after you've seen it, you kind of look back on what happened and you're like, oh, was I really looking at that from the right point of view? Ah, uh, okay. Kind of thing going on. Uh, Interesante. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say there's too much for me to, too much for me to contribute this week because while you went and saw Anomalisa, I was a dork and went and saw uh, Zootopia again because I can't get enough of this movie, guys. Oh, that's great. No, I would definitely have gone and seen that. Uh, to, 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 to have gone and seen that as well. Um, but it's not out here yet. So. Uh, soon, soon. <laughs> that was the only thing that kept me. <laughs> but no, what I'm did really... you think? Second time. Because the first time I went and saw it on my own, this time I, um, I actually went and took both my brother and my dad to see this, and they actually really, really enjoyed it themselves. Mm. So, And it was funny, because we went to a really late night showing of, of the film. Like, it was, it was like 9, 10, 9, 20 in, at night. Okay. And there, there was not too many people in the, in the movie theater at the time, but as the... Right. As the trailers kept rolling through more and more people kept coming in to see this movie so oh. it was a relatively nice sized theater full of people watching mm-hmm. zootopia at late, late at night yeah i don't know like if many disney movies would do that the only time i i remember there was a late night show and i went to of wreck it ralph and that kind of drew in an older crowd mm-hmm. uh but yeah no that's that's great well, Wreck- both both Utopia and Wreck It Ralph have a very, I think, like a wide appeal because of just the, the just because of the story and the look of the films. And speaking of both those movies, uh, there was a recent tweet that I uh, on AFA blog that I thought I just want to just make a mention, quick mention of that. Uh, Rich Moore himself, the director of both uh, Wreck It Ralph and one of the two directors for Zootopia, actually yeah. made a tweet on our review post. Oh. just a few days ago and it was basically saying you know thanks for the review for the good review and it just i just saw that tweet and i just kind of had to stare at it for a little while because it's like so he's he, read your he, review he he knows who we are <laughs> he knows who we are dad i don't know how i can take this <laughs> but that was really really cool cool to see so thank you richmore <laughs> if you're listening thank you I still love the movie. I love both of the movies. But, uh, so, did you have any uh, different thoughts about Zootopia second time round? Um, definitely got a lot more of the uh, visual jokes the second viewing because there's it's, it is one of those definitely one of those movies where you, you you see it the first time and you get a good bit of the humor, but there are still uh-huh. a lot of nice little tidbits that maybe you can you know catch right. on the second viewing. <clears throat> like background jokes and things like that. Yeah, lots more background jokes and stuff like that. Since you're not as not as focused about what's going on in the main plot, since you've already you've already seen it, and know know how what's going to happen. But yeah, you, so that way you can yeah. absorb more of the actual world and the environment because there, there's just so mm-hmm. much to it. The the only th- so um actually that's one that's one thing which for me makes Frozen a tricky film to watch again and again. Um, which is spoilers for Frozen if you've uh, not seen it yet. Um, 
when Hans turns out to be rotten, mm-hmm. it's kind of tricky to watch the movie again. Yeah, knowing, um, knowing more about the character. Knowing he's just, like, leading her down a rotten garden path. Um, what, how was it watching Zootopia with... Um, I just realized this is a major spoiler for Zootopia. Yeah. But to be fair, okay, to be fair, Disney have done this in the last few movies. Okay, it happens in Frozen, it happens in Big Hero 6, and it happens in Zootopia. Okay, so if you know those movies, you kind of know what we're talking about. When it comes to someone being not what they seem. <laughs> now, talking talking around that, because of course our UK audience haven't seen Zootopia yet. Yeah, so shh. How did that aspect? How did that aspect of the movie work for you this time? Um, I'm not entirely no spoilers. Sure. No, of course I'm. Gonna, I'm going to refrain from any and all spoilers. I really am not entirely sure because it's it was a relative surprise the first time around. Yeah, yeah. But even knowing that going in to the second viewing, still there's still too much else from the other like, other elements from the film that are just so great to see a second time through that even if you know that mm. this this is coming it's still yeah. there's still like enough with in terms of the character interactions and like i said the the world building that just you get invested in that so much a second time that when you know you really when that you know what that big plot you know spoiler is coming you don't mind it you're just like oh yeah that's i remember this and It'll it'll, it'll do this and that and that and the other thing and just yeah, it's really it's it's packed really. There's so much going on. There are so many ways possible because there's always that very fine line when it comes to films of having too much put in. Like I know a lot of the uh, superhero movies are struggling with that, but this is one of those cases where you've just got so much packed into a film. But I think Disney is one of the few. Yeah, I think Disney is one of the few places where they genuinely, um, where, <sighs> so not to sound too jaded, but I think they genuinely care about the movie most, more than anything else. And, you know, like, I, as, as you said, like superhero movies struggling with stuff packed in, I immediately thought of Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that was, if that was made at Disney, like at Disney Animation Studios, they probably would have thought to themselves, hmm, we should rework this. And they probably would have. Like they did with Zootopia, because originally, of course, um, Judy was not the main character. Yeah, Nick was and it not wasn't, the main character. It wasn't until like a year, uh, like before it's, you know, it was going to be released in a year. And they, they were like, this isn't working, we need to rework something, and they did, and they fixed it, because they genuinely care most about the story of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Zootopia is going to last, and probably last alongside Robin Hood and um, Fox and the Hound. Yeah, Fox and the Hound, um, a lot of like the really, the really classic animal 
animal-themed uh, Disney films. Yeah, I no, I, it's, uh, I watched some of them, like, almost immediately after watching Zootopia. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's honestly the funniest... I, I can't think of a funnier movie right now, thinking of Disney movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I can't honestly think of a funnier movie. It's it's really funny. And, um, and it's still doing so That goes a long way. It, as far as I believe we covered in our uh, one of our previous uh, news articles, that it's actually beaten out Frozen in terms of an opening weekend. And yeah, and then, it's during size of, of the size of the theater that I went to a week later after the film came out was any indication and like a, that late night of a showing it's probably going to continue to do well yeah I think um, like the benefit of this movie is that word of mouth is actually kind of helping I mean it's had like a huge advertising campaign um, but also, I think people going to see it and telling other people that it's good has probably been a a benefit to it. Indeed. Definitely. Um, yeah, I can't wait for it to, to come out here. Uh, so you can watch it again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I want to watch Zootopia. I don't want to watch Zootropolis because I've seen a few people now say the thing that I mentioned um about the fact that it's called Zootopia is kind of really important. Yeah. Because it's a pun. And the movie doesn't work quite in the same way without that pun. Um, but, it loses yeah, a little that. something, I, I think. But that's... It that's loses a little something, but it's, it's just as funny. So it's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only cool. other thing... I want to mention just really quick, and since we're going to be talking a bit more in the video game uh, discussion later on uh, from when we get on to our main topic, is um, this one video game I've been playing for the past, mm, I'd say about two weeks now, um, is a little game that came out on the 3DS a while back called Fire Emblem Fates Conquest. Are you familiar with the Fire Emblem uh, series at all? Kind of. Kind of, I, I I have some friends who play it, and I I have like secondhand knowledge, I guess. Yeah, well, it's I the this is one of the t- one of two of the most recent release for the franchise that uh, Nintendo uh, produced, and it's really interesting because this is the first time Fire Emblem's ever released a single game with multiple different versions of the kind of the, kind of the same story, but right. different. Because mm-hmm. the idea is in this particular game is that you have a, you create a main character, like a main character avatar, uh, male or female, and, uh, they're involved in the conflict between these two countries. One is a conquering country that's out to, you know, take over this other, other one, which is basically just trying to defend itself and its culture from being taken over by this supposedly evil empire. And since you, your character has had history with both of these countries, you're basically left to a decision, okay, which one do I side with? Do I side with the country that needs defending and side with them and help them survive? Or do I side with the conquering country and try to change it from within? So it's not... Okay, so it's, 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 something, it's something that like video games have gone into a lot recently. Uh, like when it comes to like choices and morality. Mm-hmm. 
Is is that the is that the angle on it? Um, not as much because the the Fire Emblem series is it's not like one of those things where you you know you pick your character's every line of dialogue. And, you know, you get yeah. points or anything based on a morality system. It's not that clear cut. It's um, basically you decide just which of these sides you're going to take. And then depending on which side you choose, an entire story is spun off from that one decision. Right. I see. So you get interactions with certain characters in one story that you wouldn't if you picked the other, if you picked the other one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, different events will unfurl and certain characters may live or die depending on that choice. Right. Which is really interesting. And as far as, because I've only played the, uh, the version that I have is uh, the conquest one, which is the one where you side with the empire and you have to try and find a way to manipulate things going on in this war, the subsequent war. So that the, you're still technically taking over this other country, but the casualties aren't nearly as going to be as high as the current ruler wants them to be. I see, I see. So there's a lot more, like, political intrigue and uh, shadiness going on in this story, whereas, as opposed to the other one, it's a bit more clear-cut, you know, you're just protecting, you know, protecting good, vanquishing evil kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it makes it a bit more... Um, Difficult, though, when you're fighting on the side of the Empire, because the characters that you're fighting against are your main, are blood-related to your main character. So you're, oh, you're basically fighting your family. You're a traitor. Yes. Well, here's the thing. This is like they're, you're, you're, there are ties to both sides, like I said, because these people, this, this Empire kidnapped your main character as a child, and you were raised by these other siblings on this side. They're all very, they're all good people save for the king but so it's 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 not a real it's really kind of negative consequences if depending on you know regardless of which side you choose it's just it's a bit more pulling on the heartstrings if the fact that you're yeah you are you did basically betray your blood relatives right mm. just because you were raised by the other side ah uh. so it's a very interesting dynamic with the characters and like most fire emblem games it's, you know, you get to learn a lot more about these characters the more you have them fight together in battle, and uh, you get to have conversations between different groups of people, and then you can learn more about them, their history, and just have really fun interactions. And so when the time comes to put them in battle, and you have to make very careful strategic decisions about, you know, what enemies they take on in battle, because if you pit them up against someone that you, they, they can, that can kill them, they die permanently. They are gone. If they die, they are taken out of the story completely. Right. So it's. Huh. So do you do you personally feel guilty when that happens, or do you feel it? Do you, or do you see it as like, oh, the character has done that? Um, I don't know. I feel like if it's because there's there since there's a lot of personal investment in what happens, you know, from the input from the player, there is a bit of a personal feeling of guilt there because it's just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> they only did um, as, they only did this because I picked this version of the game or I made that stupid decision to move character over here and in line of that archer. How how long is the game? Do you um, do you have any idea how far through you are yet? 
Um, I think I'm a little more than halfway through, and I've been playing for about two weeks now. But that's that's only because I've had having is that two weeks time to play. Right. Because is that two weeks job. game time? <laughs> well, you've had it for two weeks. Um, it's just it's more. It's not so much the game time. I think it's more lines of the fact that I haven't had that whole much, whole lot of time to play. But I think there's there's more than a, like a good couple hours. Like I'd say maybe like sixteen, eighteen hours. I guess, and if you if you count not just the battles and the story, but the side conversations, the you know, maybe eighteen hours. I may be a little little generous because that includes not just the playing on the maps that you have to navigate, but also okay. building your fortress because each you, you you get a castle in both versions, and you have to build that up and from invasions that you can have, and then uh, giving characters specific items, leveling up, class, you know, arranging who what who's what class support conversations it's just it's very a lot of stuff packed up packed into this little ds game and so which is really great it's a lot of fun but it's also got a lot of replay value too since you can play not you can play one story and then you can buy the other one via the online store and then play and see how that one developed so it's it's really really a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to seeing how it all ends but that's really all I've had time for this past week. Awesome. Well, no, that makes sense because games take up a lot, a lot of time. They do. They do. That's part of the reason why I love them, but only when I have enough time to play them. Yeah, no, it's Especially crazy. RPGs. I really... Uh, yeah, RPG... So I remember, like, one summer, I was 18, and Final Fantasy twelve. Elf came out. Oh, yes. Um I was playing it with my friend and we, we had this moment where we looked at each other and we were like, Hey shit, this is like the last time probably that because I was going to university the next um after this summer. And I was like, Man, I'm not gonna have time for RPGs anymore. Isn't that such a terrible because, feeling? Yeah, I I think yeah. everyone kind of has that realization at some point and um I mean, I did continue to play Pokemon games after that, but <laughs> like big, sprawling JRPGs, no, <laughs> they they left me. Yeah, that's so sad. It's I don't know if I can ever give up RPGs. I've tried. I, I I sometimes I feel like I've tried with my like my busy work schedule, but I just I can't bring myself because <laughs> I'm too invested in stories. But, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I didn't even like go back to play uh, any of the re-releases of the Final Fantasy games or anything like that. Oh well, but um, day, I did. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I did continue to buy um, Pokemon games and play them. All right. Uh, and if. I was a little bit better at it. That would have seemed like a seamless uh, segue into our next discussion topic. <laughs> Good job. I want to be the very best like no one ever was. To catch them is my real test. Train them is my cause I will travel across the land Searching far and wide Keep Pokemon 
yeah, and that leads us right into our main topic quite nicely. Beautiful segue. Um, yeah, it's Thank been. You. <laughs> <laughs> since it is the like was mentioned earlier in the episode, since it is the twentieth year anniversary that the Pokemon franchise has been around, and uh, they also made a recent announcement about the very next two Pokemon games that are going to be released, uh, Sun and Moon. Thought it'd be a really interesting idea to just kind of look back on this franchise and see, you know, what exactly about this, you know, gotta catch them all series of just, you know, never ending <laughs> streams of little monsters that you can keep in tiny little uh, pocket sized balls that uh, has lasted for 20 odd years. Because it's been, you know, it's it's got a lot of really good elements to it and it's also got a fair bit of interesting or questionable elements to it, but we'll just take a look at a little bit of everything and see, you know, what makes this franchise tick in both the video games yeah. and maybe in other branches of media that it's uh, broken into or crashed into. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's kind of tricky to talk about because as we were saying at the start, it, we were kind of talking about like, you know, our playground memories and how that kind of all like rolls into one with Pokemon. It's it's kind of tricky to talk about things from your past and separate them and kind of take off the nostalgia goggles, um, as it were, and and kind of look at something for what it is. Because Pokemon was like, I don't know if there are crazes like Pokemon anymore Not that I or, or sense because it was huge. It was unbelievable. Like, there has been nothing like it, I don't think, where you, in literally every sphere, like in, in toys, in card games, on TV, movies, games, like, I remember each um, aspect of Pokemon, like, was pretty strong. It wasn't like the, the card game was, like, a cheap thing that was like a it didn't i mean as a kid i mean i guess it was they were uh the um manufacturers were really working their stuff and convincing you know us that we needed all this stuff but i mean i think the card game still kind of works really well and it's kind of a robust little card game and the games are great it has a little similarity to at least the card game. It had a little a lot of similarities to like other major uh pop you know, trading card games like Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Yeah, it was um it was it was originally manufactured by Wizards of the Coast, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. Is that right? I'm not a hundred percent because I I I I'll admit, as far as the card game goes, I just was I liked and as a kid I just liked the pictures. I never really played oh, the card game. No, no. Yeah, same, same. I um, <laughs> I loved it. So, I I loved the original like pictures that um, Ken Sugimori, who's like the original designer mm-hmm. of all the Pokemon, did that were on the cards. But once they started coming out with these cards with like alternative, um like illustrations of Pokemon on them. I thought they were fantastic. Oh yeah. And like the, the I think like the third run they started coming out with like things that were just like photographs of like plastic Pokemon toys almost. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. like in in environments and things and yeah those cards were really cool like they had some cool little illustrations on them no very yeah especially when you got like a you knew you had a really super rare card when it would have like this extra like sheen to it the shinies yeah the shinies (laughs) (laughs) they would have a special artwork and sheen just for those cards it's so funny like talking to you about pokemon cards because um I didn't know that. I didn't know that they were also banned in your school. Yeah, well, that's what happens because I mean, this is this is how this is. It's so crazy to think there is like it was this much of a craze that they caused fights, and the school realized that they had to do something. So they banned these Pokemon cards because kids were trading them at school. And certainly in school hours, they were not allowed at all. The Game Boy Boy, uh, devices were not allowed in in my school either. Oh, no, we weren't allowed games. It was a a double double threat. Yeah, we were allowed. Yeah. Actually, I remember we watched the movie at school. Um, oh my god! Some someone uh, like had a pirate copy. <gasps> like one of the teachers had a pirate copy. Oh my goodness! And he played it for us, and I remember watching the movie at school. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, what what is it about Pokemon as, as opposed to other shows or media like or with a similar okay. similar idea like the okay. Digimon? Like why? Did Pokemon think, catch on so much? Where Digimon kind of just it, it kind of had a pretty popular following. Which <clears> I still love it, but it never really reached Pokemon levels of craze in in the schoolyard or for just the general. And that's a good question. I honestly think it's the games. The games are really good games, and they're really they hold up. I mean, like Pokemon Blue and Red were re-released this month. Uh, last month, and people playing them still. And I think the strength of the games is really what allowed, like the card game and the TV series and the movies and the toys and everything else, to happen. Because without like those appealing designs and those cool ideas, you wouldn't have anything. No, yeah, it, it really it all began with the. With red and blue on the Game Boy, and uh, yeah, it really they, and the fact that they God. they continue to make the games as well. So like Digimon, I remember there being like maybe three generations of the Digivice toys. Yes, um, they had like the original bricks. They had the ones that look like the Digivices from the first season. And then they had the ones that looked like the Digivices from the second season. And they kind of, they were kind of crappy little Tamagotchi things. And they were, they were, they were fine. I played them a lot. Um, but Pokemon is just really robust and, and um, it had a lot more going on. Really. Yeah, you were exploring a world and fighting and fighting monsters, you know, on a daily basis as opposed to just constantly caring for just this one monster where you had this as opposed to an entire team 
And you could like pick your favorites. Like if you didn't like a certain Pokemon, you didn't have to own it because there would be plenty more that you were interested in. You could just put it in your uh, little storage box thing in the Pokemon Center and never have to look at that other Pokemon ever again. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you're like, well, that's... Just like, oh, I just want this one. <laughs> you put the other one away and then it never sees the light of day again. Which yeah, is exactly. Sad. <laughs> it's a little bit sad, I guess. I, I was never, I never, it never even crossed my mind that there was anything remotely cruel <laughs> about, about it. But, um... I remember I, I I remember like talking to kids about it when I was a kid as well. Like mm-hmm. and we used to talk about like what's it like inside a Pokeball? <laughs> <laughs> and um we imagined it was kind of like the TARDIS. Oh ooh, that's a clever idea. Okay, so like it was actually very comfortable for the Pokemon inside. <laughs> oh, it's like okay, um, Game Freak, you know, Pokemon Company, that's the next thing you need to show. You need to give us, you need to give a little coverage. Like, okay, what is actually inside the poke, the Pokeball that makes it such a nice place for Pokemon to stay inside? No, it's not. Yeah, no, <laughs> we imagined it as like a Well, no, I'm saying that crossing. that's something they should do. Yeah, I, I think it would work if they showed it, maybe. But maybe that would, that would um, piss off the purists. One way or another, you're gonna people are gonna get pissed off. I mean, that's almost the case with almost every single new generation of um, of Pokemon games when they add more Pokemon designs and more Pokemon to the roster of you know list of how many Pokemon there are in this uh, world that they've created for the video games. And you'll always have those people who are just like, I remember when it was 151 Pokemon, and that was a better. Time. <laughs> yeah, I um. I kind of ran out when it when it got to the three hundreds. I think I kind of I'm kind of half aware of what um, uh, the start the the three starters are mm-hmm. for the third generation. Yeah. After then, it gets a bit hazy for me. Which, <laughs> I can understand because that's a lot of that's a lot of creatures to keep track of and. Yeah, I was. I was the same way. There was, there was. I will admit when I uh, played, because I was, I was, I was out of the Pokemon. You know, playing the Pokemon games for a while after. um, uh, I think it was Crystal. I think was the last Pokemon uh, game Game Boy game that I played for a long time, and then um, I missed several of the different generations, and then I picked up uh, Pokemon Black, and. That's what got me back into Pokemon, pretty much, was uh, playing that game. Yeah, which, which, when did Black come? Uh, I think Pokemon Black, that came out, that, that came back when I was in college, so that was pre, like, it was 2010, 2011? Okay, right, so that was after Soul Silver and Heart Gold. Heart yeah. Gold. Okay, yeah, I missed that generation, actually. Um, I played like Soul Silver because Silver and Gold they're my games. Oh, they yeah. are like they are my game. <laughs> I was <laughs> like that was that must have been a very important summer for me. For some but, well, I remember actually they came out in Easter, um, two thousand, I think. Yeah, because that uh, was, that so was, was the second generation. 
so I was 10 and I remember like saving up my money so I could buy Pokemon Silver. And um, I kind of played a little bit of it because my friend was like, who kind of knew a little bit about computers, he managed to get Silver like um, pirated on an oh, emulator goodness. on his computer and he showed me it. And it was like a real crappy translation, and oh. the Pokemon didn't. Have, they didn't. They all. They all have like Japanese names, and it wasn't super easy to play. Um, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait." And I waited for it to come out, and yeah, Silver was like my whole um, world for like that Easter holiday. <laughs> So, what do you think, as opposed to the very first Pokemon game, what was it about Silver, this this next generation, or even with the later generations? Like, like what do you think, like, as it keeps... Because, like uh, you said, the, oh. the games keep getting better and better with seem, yeah. seemingly each release. Well, like, even though it's hard to remember the names of all the Pokemon, the games themselves are inherently more fun the more sequels they release. So, why do you think that is? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Okay, so... It's, it's, it's weird because it's something that you can only really see in retrospect. But, like, the battle system in the first couple games is not anywhere near as good. Mm-hmm. It's just... Um, yeah, the, they haven't quite figured out, like, the whole stats thing. Um, the... Um, What's it called? The special... Um, EVs and IVs, I believe. EVs and IVs? Yeah, they're the um, particular stat uh, boost. I'm not, I don't know all the technical terms behind it because I haven't really played enough Pokemon that no, I mean, that's... enough to really yeah. be able to figure out what, <laughs> what exactly those do. But it, it, it really helps, as far as I understand, it really helps make the Pokemon you catch... Versus, like, what type they are and what, you know, sp- you know species yes. they are and how yes. how you train them that helps how their, stat- their stats are boosted and how okay. they'll be against certain opponents and what, you know, moves they'll be better in. Yeah, so essentially that was kind of broken. The other thing for me which really made silver um, gold um, impressive for me were a couple of things. Um, the first thing, which was huge, was they had clocks. They had internal clocks in the cartridge. Um, so you synchronized your time to Pokemon time. Is that not right? No, no, no. That's, there, were, there, no. Were, there were clocks. There, it actually did keep time of day. There was there was a night cycle and there was a day cycle. There was, a, But it didn't exactly copy the night and day cycle of... The real world did it. Could. It, it. It could. Oh, it could. Because I, I kind of remember that it was. I remember playing nighttime in the. I remember it being nighttime in Pokemon while it was still daytime in the real world. I don't know how that was. I don't know if you could sync it up necessarily to the actual time of day. I don't think maybe the Game Boy, at least at the time, I don't think it had that kind of power. But the, but, I, but it did <laughs> actually have an internal clock in terms of just the the world clock oh okay right i see that makes sense now but basically that was huge because it really gave an extra believability to the world 
like that there were nocturnal Pokemon. I thought that was amazing. Um, and also breeding. Yeah, that the expanded. Whole, the whole egg thing, that really expanded. And both of those elements for me really made them feel more like living creatures that had that were affected by the world and by um it just made it seem a little bit more alive mm-hmm. um and then also like the th- the thing with gold and silver was once you're done you get to go to kanto <laughs> and i i was like wow it's like two games in one <laughs> yeah that was, i remember that being uh, pretty big yeah, and I was really impressed with that. So it just came at the right time for me. And um, I think that's kind of how some things go, really. It's like something just comes at the right time and it it takes you. Uh, but I think also, so like the thing is, I think Pokemon actually does have a lasting like power going on because... I bought X Pokemon X um, oh. a couple of years ago, and I would not have bought that based purely off um, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, and and I and I and I would not have played it if if I was just banking off nostalgia. I would have put it down within five minutes, mm-hmm. but I played it because I think it's still a really solid, good game. And what what? Aspects of uh, X and Y, uh, or particularly X in this case, would you say made it such a good game? As like like the culmination of like the like most recent uh, like string of games. That's tricky. I can't actually remember it too well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I remember the customization kinda... was really in, in in depth. There was a lot of really cool customization with not just your player character, but with just the world yeah. in general. It was a really oh. nice aesthetic. That was the first, I think that was the first game where online interactivity was leagues ahead of how it had been before. Yes. Um, So, like, you were able to trade uh, with people all over the world just via Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, So that was, I'm not sure if that happened in black and white. Uh, but that was certainly the first game that I played where it was like, oh, okay, this is like kind of caught up to, you know. Yeah, there was definitely a lot more like, you know, the fact that you can connect with people all across the world who are all playing Pokemon is a really, really attractive feature. And I can't say like, as, since I got really invested in black and white, um, the both versions of black and white, there was definitely, it, it definitely wasn't as perfect. X and Y perfected it definitely, but they were you could see if you played uh black and white that they were laying the groundwork for that interconnect you know, interactivity between players from all around and being able to trade, battle, and so forth via online. Which was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they've done a good job of I just think they're very well designed games. And they um there's a you, you can tell there's a lot of care uh, that goes into them, really. I mean, there there are uh, 
I mean, I don't know how much of an unfair comparison this is, and people have kind of told me off for making this comparison. But when you compare, like, the design of the graphics in Pokemon Red and Blue to uh, games now which try and recreate, like, a retro feel, Mm -hmm. like Underworld, Undertale. Oh, and yep, Uh uh-huh. Okay, I don't think Undertale is very nice to look at in a way that Pokemon like blue and yellow and silver really understood like what looked nice on that screen and how to like and I and I know it's like it's kind of unfair because I know Undertale was made by one guy and Pokemon was made by a whole team. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that really shouldn't be underestimated, like in terms of just how at the time they were really using the technology mm-hmm. uh, to its limits and 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 really making the games uh, work you know on, on on game boys with the game boy limitations when it comes to pixels and uh, and color and things like that. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, I will. I mean, I will defend Undertale till the day I die because I just love that game. It's so such an ugly game. It's so ugly. In certain aspects, I can understand why uh, why you would say that. And I, for for me, maybe I just learned to look beyond that because the actual uh, animations for when you're in a quote unquote conflict with another monster or character, those that's when the that's when the real like artwork of the game. Uh-huh actually shines but you know the basic yeah. animations i understand why you would be turned off by those possibly yeah but... actually and, and and i'll concede like the um the animation in the first few pokemon games is really um yeah it's, it's, all it's very simplistic and very minimal and for the time that was fine and but as, I you know, as the series think... has evolved you're haha evolved i said it again um <laughs> I miss it, it has the first time. become more in depth and more, you know, elaborate because of the fact that you, like you said, it has a whole team dedicated to making these games as best as they can be, and it's really, sh- you know, shown how the games have changed over each new generation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I was, I went back and I looked at uh, the first like few Pokemon designs. Um with my friend the other day mm-hmm. and they're really really well designed creatures how would, how would uh, you say like, what, 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 give me an example uh, I'm just pulling it up now to, to check it <laughs> not, not to check it but um, just, just so I can like have something in front of me while, while, I, while I kind of talk about it uh well, okay, so first of all, they were designed really well to be uh, simplified into game sprites. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, they're just like really appealing designs with really nice shapes. Like, um, you know, I just, okay, just this, the, the original starts Pokemon, Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle. They're um, they're just really appealing little designs. They've got like big 
big heads and like nice chunky limbs. Um, big big eyes too. That's always especially big for, eyes. They're for big. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, that's something which Pokemon had over Digimon. Was Digimon, and I actually I really like that Digimon were not like Pokemon in this regard. They weren't cute. <laughs> they could. There be. was very little. Okay, so the first uh, generation, uh, the first evolution, Digimon could be cute. Mm-hmm. The Coromons and things like that. Yeah. But they had nothing on like Pikachu or Squirtle or Oddish or you know Zubat. Yeah, the Digimon could be cute, but it felt it was like in an otherworldly kind of way, as opposed to, say, the Pokemon design. They felt like part of them could be like look were based off something that could actually be living or alive, like a real um, like something you could find of, in nature. I, mean, I yeah, I think they also have a really great cartoony appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like really simple things like Bellsprout. Or, or Magnemite. They're really just good cartoony designs. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for like how good design really lasts. And I think that's kind of really... For me, when I think of Pokemon, one of the standout things, if you have a good design, like it's like Mickey Mouse. Like, it can become uh, an icon. Yep. And that's like kind Pikachu of Pikachu has become an icon. That's yeah. That's what happened with Pikachu. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's how I can look at them now and still go, wow, they're really good designs and it's not just um nostalgia for when I was younger and, you know, um remembering like fun days playing Pokemon and watching Pokemon with friends, my brother, it was, it's just like, it's, they're genuinely well-designed, uh, characters. Yeah. It's, it's, that's Sorry, the, I think the, the idea- things I enjoy learning. I mean, even though I've can't remember most of them half the time, at the very least, yeah. you can take a look at these things and say, Oh, that looks really cool. Oh, that looks even neat. Oh, that's so adorable. Kind of, it's, it's it's interesting mm. to see like what kind of designs they'll come out with next with each new generation. Yeah, and, and I mean, they've come on the fire because, come on, after 600 uh, Pokemon, you're going to start to struggle to make things as distinctive and unique looking. Trubbish. Is, that was one of the new... Uh, one of the... Trubbish. Yeah, that's what they called it. It was a Pokemon that was released in the black and white generation. It is literally a garbage bag. It looks like a walking, talking garbage bag. Ask, I know, I kind of like that. Well, I kind of like how that's kind of... It's a little bit like a yokai. You know, like um, the Japanese idea of objects which have spirits. Um... I think they kind of they got in, they got they got into that early, <laughs> which yes, is which is good when you kind of compare it to that thing Yokai Watch, which seems a little bit more like a joke than Pokemon to me. Yeah, 
Though it's, it's made by level five, and and my so far that I've played level five games, they can do no wrong in my eyes. So I haven't had the opportunity to play Yokai Watch yet, but I'm no, really curious about it. Yeah, I've seen some clips on the anime, and it looks kind of funny, uh, but not. But like the thing with Pokemon is like, as I was saying, there is a real like emotional connection you have because you spend a long time training these things and going through battles with them and collecting gym badges. You get really fond of your your team. Mm-hmm. Because it's the team you made. You're the one who picked, okay, I'll have this one and not that one. I will train this one this way. I'll train, I'll train this one that way. So, yeah, because yeah. because you put all that investment in making your team just You can so... choose all their... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can it's... choose all their moves. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like, oh, that's my... Um, that's my Charizard. Rather than, like... That's a Charizard, you know. Yeah, there's personal investment in that. Yeah, there's. I think, and I think that's a big element of the games, which uh, keeps them, you know, worth returning to. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And another thing, in terms of just general aesthetic between the different generations, that I thought was really interesting, that they seem to do well with each new video game, they seem to, like, each of the different regions that you explore in each of the game, like, it's Kanto in red and blue, and then it's um, Johto in gold and silver, uh, Hoenn, and, oh, God, was the other... I, it's the, the diamond and pearl. Yeah, I, I forget. I, yeah, I, same, because I just don't... Uh, Unova... Was and diamond and pearl? Was that DS? I'm sorry? Diamond and Pearl, was that DS? Yes, it was. On the DS? Yes. Okay. That was one Diamond of, that was, I think it was one of the first uh, Pokemon games to, because uh, I think the, uh, oh, God, what was the, uh, Ruby, and, uh, Ruby and Sapphire was originally on the Game Boy Advanced, and then uh, Diamond and Pearl was the one that hit, was the uh, game that uh, was on mm-hmm. the, D, uh, the DS. But um, okay. I've noticed, at least with the later at least as far as the later generations are concerned, they're all based off particular regions of the world, or at least I know in um, Kanto and Johto are very much, you know, focused on different areas of Japan itself, but then... Well, Kanto is actually a region in Japan, isn't it? It is. There's, yeah, so that's there's a reason for that, but even as the later generations go, like Unova, which was the location for uh, Black and White, that was based off loosely, based off loosely of the United States or the mm-hmm. North, Amer- North and South America whereas um, uh, what was the, um, X and Y I forget what the name of the region is called but it's like there's a very there's heavy uh, symbolism or like these relation to uh, France oh right okay so you, you get what I'm saying like each it seems mm-hmm. like each new region is left to explore there it takes a different theme from a particular actual you know region of the world which is really cool. yeah yeah and it's it's these kind of ideas which they put in which which uh i mean these just good ideas and it makes for good compelling games to play yeah because you're always looking for you're always looking for not just new pokemon but also like new like secrets and new areas to explore because they always go all out and making these areas look really 
you are at least really interesting as you as the more games have come out and then a lot more background and stuff to look at and people to meet and talk to and mm-hmm. just generally the, so um, that's one of the reasons other reasons you become so invested in it yeah the the world really becomes like a real place and you kind of um yeah you get like <laughs> i can re- i can remember like being a kid and knowing immediately like what region of the map was which city and which town and uh <laughs> it's it's very it's very strange like how attached uh you got so we've kind of okay the games are fine the games are still good mm-hmm. let's let's talk about the other big pokemon thing which was the tv show and the movies yes where they tried to bring that experience into TV and movies and they 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 gave us a little bit more of a story and uh, some characters and I, I don't know, I think <laughs> I'll say it now, I think this is the part of Pokemon which does not hold up for me. I I have to agree with you, and at least to a certain extent. If one, like you said, taking taking off the nostalgia <laughs> goggles. Yeah, yeah, actually looking at like, these movies and shows, like, <laughs> does it hold up? And it's like, eh, not quite. I mean, there are no. elements of it that'll still, you know, I won't forget till the day I die. Like the the original theme from the Pokemon anime series, that was um, the English theme, at least. I'm never gonna forget. No one, is, whoever ever who has ever seen it, is never the gonna what? forget it. The theme song. I want to oh. be the very best, like no yeah. one ever was. Yeah, we that. don't need to do. <laughs> I won't do the whole song. I believe me. I, I wouldn't do that to anyone. No, sure, sure. It's um, it's catchy. yeah. I, I no, I know exactly what you mean. I remember actually when it used to be on TV in the UK. It was on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it was on this TV show. It was it was like on a magazine show called SMTV Live, which was Saturday morning TV Live. And it was like a block that was on um, all Saturday morning. And I remember the presenters of SMTV Live, um, these guys called Ant and Deck, who are like really, really popular um, TV presenters now on TV. Oh. Um, they, used, they used to do something called a poker rap. And they used to dress, oh, yes. And they used to dress up as like... Um, like shit rappers with like you know how like um uh who's the guy who has like clocks around his neck flavor flav oh yeah yeah that's that's the one so like they have like license plates around their necks and <laughs> they have these like big woolly jumpers with pikachu sewn on them <laughs> and at the end of the rap they used to like rub their stomachs <laughs> rub the pikachu on their stomachs and go pikachu and it was like my 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 parents used to watch the TV show, and they used to love the poker app. <laughs> and but I was really into Pokemon, and they were kind of like the the presenters were kind of taking the piss a little bit out of Pokemon because it was such a huge um, craze. And my parents used to like when I was in a shop, like looking at a Pokemon thing or something, mm-hmm. they'd be up behind me rubbing their stomachs, saying, Pikachu! 
<laughs> because they thought it was just like the lamest bloody thing in the world. And I think the most TV parents sh- thought that at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't drag my parents to see the Pokemon movies or anything like that. I don't. I'm glad that I never did that to them. Well, <laughs> because... I did to my parents, and they're probably never going to forgive me for it. Oh no! I think, I think a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people of our generation. That's something that we're going to have to atone with later. Yeah. <laughs> that, that we made our parents go and see Pokemon movies. No, I was always made to go and see them on my own with friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. And like, let's be honest, they don't, they're not very good movies. I tried rewatching uh, the first movie and the second one, Pokemon the Movie 2000. Oh, yes, because it uh, came in the year, 2000. I love how it was called Pokemon the First Movie. Like, that was kind of like a warning for parents. Like, <laughs> get ready. Get like, ready. Get for ready. Her, this is. Yeah, this isn't the only time you're gonna have to do this. Um, and those don't hold up; they aren't good stories. And there's kind of there's a kind of cool thing, maybe with Mewtwo and Mew, but they don't work as movies. They try. Um, I'll, I'll give the movies this, at least for the ones that I that I'm most familiar with, which is mainly like the very first three. The first one. Yeah. Had it, it had some nice elements to it, but they did not. They got bogged down in a whole, you know, we make Pokemon fight, but the fighting is bad. Blah 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 blah. And it's just like, well, that kind of just you know shoots the whole moral of the movie in the foot, then doesn't it? Because of the overall hypocrisy of it all. But um, yeah, and also they they were re-edited as well. Yes, by for kids. So. Um, I think, I think like Warner Brothers really wanted like a, a big family friendly kind of thing going on with the movies and, you know, the Japanese had their own idea of what anime movies was, exactly. And yeah, and that, and, um, I kind of like the start of the first movie, the, um, the, the original cut, like has a kind of interesting, like, prologue with Mewtwo. Oh, yes. And they really, like... Have you seen it? Yes, I have. The original cut? Yes. Where it's like a... It's like 20 minutes where they really just set up Mewtwo and, like, there's a little girl? Yeah, there's Is a little right? girl. Like, yeah, she's a, cl- she's a clone from... Uh, the, the scientist who was actually cl- responsible for cloning Mewtwo. It was actually his daughter. Right. He was trying to bring her back to life from <clears throat> cloning. And, mm-hmm. um... But, unfortunately... She, along with a couple other Pokemon that uh, he was testing with this uh, cloning uh, technology, they all passed away. They all died while through the process. And Mewtwo was the only <laughs> one that survived. And Mewtwo was having this whole, you know, bonding conversation with all of these characters, including the girl. And it just, and then they all die and leave him alone. And so when he, you see him later on in the film, and he gets angry and starts, you know, blowing shit up. It's like. Well, okay, now you can understand why he's upset a little bit, but yeah. without that, without that lead-in, it's really just kind of like he he's born and then just bam, you know, psychotic massacre. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really <clears throat> it's a really strange movie because 
I mean, there maybe are some interesting ideas in there with like what Mewtwo is and his pain, and it kind of gives him like some weird motivation for being a villain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work. And then the second movie, um, Ash is the chosen one. Ha ha! That's basically is, Pokemon two thousand. Yeah, is 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 not good. And I mean, like the only thing that it has going on in it is there are some new Pokemon. And that's it. Lugia. I really liked Lugia. But... <laughs> Another really interesting design, but it's not enough to carry a whole film. Like Ash, exactly. Like, like exactly. the character was not like the fact that he's supposed to be this chosen one was not enough to carry the whole film. But I will tell you yeah, one of the Pokemon movies that I actually do think holds up relatively well, at least compared to all the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. The third one. The I am absolutely with you there because it has I I care about the people in it. Yes, and they actually I don't, I, have legit yeah. Pokemon battles in the film. Yeah, it, it really I, and do you know what the surprising thing is is that that came out. I'm gonna look when that came out because I was probably past the age when I should have been going to see Pokemon movies in the cinema. <laughs> oh, it came out in 2000 as well, apparently. Oh, yeah, no, that was Japan. No, no, yeah, no, it came out in 2000 in Japan. It came out, like, at least about a year or so later, I believe. I imagine, it right yeah. Around the, it was right around the time that, you know, Pokemon... 2001. Yeah, it was right around the time Pokemon craze was kind of dying out a little bit, or it was, like, quieting down. And this, so this was the mm-hmm. last, really, theatrical release that Pokemon ever had. Where yeah, else, all and the I, movies that came out were all straight to DVDs. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen any of those actually. Have you? Um, some of them, and there there are some that I can say that are okay. You know, they're they're fine, but they're I've, still not I've, good movies. Right, I've heard a little bit about um the one with Salibi, and that oh, kind of Salibi. sounds yeah. that kind of sounds bonkers. It was very um, strange. And the Wishmaker one, where it's kind of like a time travel kind of. That was more the time travel was, was right? more Celebi. The time, time oh, travel okay. was the fourth one. And the Jirachi one, eh, Jirachi one was okay. That was one of the okay ones that I saw, but it wasn't like, again, okay. not enough to actually really qualify as a good film. Um, okay. Well, this is the, the, thing, the thing is, like, with. With these, so Japan as a culture is really self-sustaining. They don't need to import anything to um, for, for things to be successful, basically. And they don't, and more importantly, they don't rely on exporting things mm-hmm. for them to be successful. You know, um, the Pokemon franchise does not need um, international interest to make money. No. To justify making the next one, so they 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 have like a very different like movie industry, and it's really since anime has been a thing, anime movies have been a thing, and they're not quite the same thing as we would see movies of um, cartoon franchises. Really, they don't have to they're, they're more like specials really yeah extended and, specials of the series and they come out every year so it's like 
the way they fit in is not the same thing. But yeah, anyway, so I'm with you. Pokemon Three is is surprisingly like heartfelt, and but it's just it's just the main story um, between um, uh, that little girl and um, Entei. Yeah, basically, and just the other characters from the actual show. They're just kind of along for the ride, really. Yeah, no, I don't care about them. <laughs> Action, Charlie, Pikachu, but it's it's hey, it's the little when that when the the char the fight with between Entei and Charizard, I my my jaw drops still every time I watch that scene because it just it looks amazing. Right, right. Well, I'm 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 looking on the IMDb page and there's a there's a picture of um uh Pikachu's. Um, Pikachu and Pichu. Uh, okay. Which was the short that came with Pokemon 3. Yes. And I, I, I think, I think I preferred, honestly, the shorts. Oh, yes. The shorts that accompanied to the, the main To the main movie. Um, Pikachu's, vaca- Pikachu's vacation, I can give or take. Yeah. Um, but the Pikachu's rescue adventure is it called? Yeah, it's it's you basically it's a it's a short revolving around the uh, pre-evolution of Pikachu. They're, yeah, they're running they're running around a city. A city. They city. were fine. They were they were pretty good fun. They were they were quite good fun. Um, but the, but like the problem is is that I think the real heart of Pokemon, the ideas that made the game so strong, didn't translate into movies very well. No, because they because really the Pokemon are not characters. They don't really. I mean, they try to give them kind of um, ticks and things and personalities, but it didn't work because in in a, in a weird way they seemed less alive to me in the TV series than they did in the games. Because to something like the acting was just it didn't make it just didn't make sense. Yeah. When you when you saw like an oddish sitting down and having a nap, it's like what? No, we don't. It's a <laughs> it's, plant. It doesn't need to nap. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just um, it it didn't really quite hold up for me. And a lot, of, yeah, Good. it's because it's a lot of that comes also from like the imagination you could have with the games. Like you could imagine what your Pokemon would do versus another Pokemon's. Per- this is it. Yeah, I think you're. That's really interesting because that's you're, you're dead right, and that's usually the sort of things that people say when it comes to like books and movies. Mm-hmm. But I think you've touched on something. I think it's the same sensation that you get watching you know playing the games and then watching the movie in terms of like yeah you've kind of stepped on my on my imagination a bit yeah that's yeah that's really what separates between the anime and the uh, video games and the, like you said the movies as well is because it's, mm. it's it's another person's interpretation of what the pokemon world and how pokemon would behave is and it may yeah. not necessarily jive with what you've always imagined from what you've always you know seen from when you played the games but i will say there is one actual piece of animation in terms of that goes with pokemon 
that is still worth mm. a watch. That is, I think, was probably I got the most fun of watching it as almost as I would playing the video games, at least as far as the you know Pokemon Red, because it was a kind of a retelling of the story of the first Pokemon game, um, Pokemon Origins. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Uh, with um, it. I I think I am. I remember. Yeah, I remember that happening, and I remember... How many episodes are there? I think it's only five episodes long. They, they, kind of oh. like, they kind of speed through the story a little bit, but the parts that they focus on, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed. Like, especially the um, the fact that they took almost a whole episode to talk about, like, the one event that happens in Lavender Town with the whole... with the ghosts, the ghost of the one dead Pokemon's uh, mother... Oh, yeah, that's a they great little episode. A, yeah, they actually focus a whole episode on that, and I thought that was really interesting. Oh. oh, yeah, that's cool. Okay, yeah, I should check that out, because I think I remember seeing a trailer and then not checking out the series. Because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't, like, easily... It was probably on YouTube, but it wasn't, yeah. like, easily available to watch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's I... definitely um, worth checking out. Check that out. Hmm. The the um I will say this I will still the I will add in like you know how you said you were relatively disappointed with Mewtwo in the uh, actual film Mewtwo uh-huh. is in this series he's in the last episode and I'll say the fight that happens with him is far more satisfying than anything that the movie ever touched on. It right. Was very cool. But yeah, I think that I think that more or less wraps up our discussion on Pokemon? Yeah, I don't think there's there there's any other aspect of it which really um, I think is worth talking about. At least as far as we've been able to discern in our discussions, really one of the things that, lasts, that has helped this franchise last as long as it has other than the fact that it just went completely viral um, for over a couple generations and continues to persist is mainly because of the fact, like you said, the aesthetic of the designs of the creatures, the mm-hmm. the fact that the world continuously gets bigger and bigger. You you explore, you learn more about it, and the creatures that live there, and it just seems like you do, and it kind of grows with the player in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of I think way way works. Um, yeah, I, actually. There is one cool thing which um, I will post a link to. There is um, there's a Japanese TV series called Game Center CX. Mm. Um, and it's actually, it's a really funny series. It's just, um, it's just about this guy. Um, uh, who's like a comedian and he plays retro games. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting to watch just to see like a bunch of retro games that you might not have heard of before. And he mm-hmm. plays them and he tries to like, um, he's just kind of funny as he plays them. But there are, there are a few episodes where he does interviews with game designers. And there's a really good one um, with uh, Satoshi uh, Taijiri, who oh. created Pokemon. And it's a really great in-depth interview into, like, the development of Pokemon and, um, like, where the where, where the creator kind of started from creatively and 
the key um, values that he tries to keep in every game. Oh, very cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to post a link to that because uh, it's a really interesting interview if you're interested in that kind of yeah. thing. Hey, I mean, if you're if you're listening to this episode, you probably have a very a pretty good investment in the Pokemon franchise anyway, so you probably, if you haven't seen it already, then, yeah, check it out. But yeah, that more or less, I believe, wraps up our our episode for today and talking about the Pokemon franchise. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, a lot of nostalgia behind this franchise, and yeah, it's they seem. Uh, but I just, think, I think it's lasted for a reason. It has, you know. Yeah, it's 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 not just a fluke. It's 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 been around for twenty odd years, and will probably continue to persist for years to come for a good reason. And it's because it's been growing with its audience and knows exactly how to expand its this little world that it's created and the mm-hmm. creatures that it's made. That it will always it will remain appealing for both kids and adults. So yeah, that's basic. That's basically it. If you want to check out more on the website, just go to AFA, and we'll have we should include the uh, the link for that interview with this particular podcast in the show notes. And if you want to see more on let's say Anomalisa, check out which we had a pretty extended talk about this episode along with Zootopia. Check out our respective reviews for it. For both of those movies. And go and, and go and see it and support independent filmmakers who are trying animation for adults because it didn't do well in the US. So the least you could do is try and support it. Yes, um, please. At the least you'll have something to talk about. And <laughs> you'll have some you'll have some there's some gorgeous animation on there. Yeah. Really gorgeous stuff. So You heard it from here. I don't care. Go and see it. That's an order. <laughs> All right. And Dan, where can we find you? Um, you can find me on... Oh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Hamu. All right. And you can find me at Fail2Ninja on Twitter. And keep glued to the site for more news updates and reviews and podcast episodes. All right, everyone. Take care. Cheers. Bye.